0: Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my
1: co-host, Nitin. What's good, man? It's Tuesday night, but I'm nearly done with putting down a bottle of wine after uh, what we saw tonight. And this is two nights ahead of Jets-Broncos. It was somehow even worse than what the Thursday night football matchup's going to be. It was the first presidential debate. I think anybody who's everybody was watching, uh, at least for some portion of time, and I don't know if you can describe it any other way but a uh, abject and unadulterated train wreck. Uh,
0: yeah, oh, my God, man. I kept looking at the clock just wondering when it was going to end. Like 10 minutes in, I started clock watching. So I was like, I don't know how I could watch 90 minutes of this. It was the most cringeworthy, just uh, – I didn't even know how to – I've never seen anything like that. Um, uh, we were both talking about it before this pod that – a tweet calling it saying it was like watching uncut gems, which I thought was the perfect description because my heart was just like racing, racing right? Racing during this entire thing. So I don't know, man. There's not a lot to say. I, I don't think. Um,
1: I'm sure a bunch of undecided voters got the <laughs> notification. You know, got the notice they needed to go one way or the other after tonight. I'm I'm glad we're able to do two more of these. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going
0: to happen with the rest of the debates. Part of me is like, do the candidates? just decide not to do any more or do they come up with some kind of mic muting because
1: you can't go on like this. Like the the rest of the debates cannot. I almost feel like um, the mute seems like the easiest answer, like during the other person's two minutes or whatever, just like you can't speak and therefore, you know, you can, but the problem is the responses and like the, like rebuttals are naturally going to bring some type of discussion as You know, they typically should in a debate. The problem is I'm not sure that these candidates are, like, very comfortable with whatever guardrails they've already agreed to. So, therefore, we have um, the absolute shit show that we saw tonight. And the funny thing is, like, Chris Wallace was getting a lot of shit on Twitter. I I honestly don't know what he could have done differently. I think he, like, put up a valiant effort. It was just – no. He, I mean, you have to set the tone early. So at, at
0: some point, he tried to wrangle them back in, and he you know, very directly addressed the interrupting issue. But in the very beginning, he was letting them run roughshod all over him. Like That's the point where as a moderator,
1: you have to set the tone uh, yes. for the rest
0: of the debate.
1: That's true, but it maybe that's his naivety to even believe that there would be any type of like rule following or general, you know, sense of professionalism on display because there was absolutely none, um, you know, and I'm not even putting it on Trump or, or specifically, I think in both instances, like obviously Trump was doing most of the interrupting and whatnot, but it was... It was painful. Uh, it was really, really painful to watch. And I can't, like a lot of people are talking about it's like countries overseas watching <laughs> the most powerful country in the free world. And it's like we're deciding the you know the seat of the US government at stake. And we got these two guys on stage just flubbing their way and yelling their way through 90 minutes of incoherence.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway is that it was just embarrassment for us all uh, as a country, um, regardless of who you support.
1: Uh, unbelievable it was a bad luck we'll see what happens in the next two i think either they don't do them or they like make some pretty drastic rule changes otherwise they're not going to be they're going to be even less valuable than i think people already thought they were going to be uh, going into them but yep. let's move to the topic of hand we actually didn't record on thursday we heard about it from a couple of very loyal listeners we appreciate you recognizing the pod didn't go out on friday I want to tell you it was my sort of like foresight that both series were going to be over over the weekend and we'd be able (laughs) to do an NBA Finals preview. The reality is I just got lazy and I didn't feel like recording, but it did work out in our favor uh, because now we're recording this Tuesday night. Uh, The NBA Finals officially kick off on September 30th, a date I never thought I would say regarding the NBA Finals, but game one is tomorrow between... Your Los Angeles Lakers, no and no no, the, no, no. it's not and, my the Mi- and the Miami heat, and it's been a fucking bizarre nba season to say the least right it feels like even two months ago talking about all the you know we were having fun with like the different bubble logistics and how it felt <laughs> yeah. like summer camp and we were talking about like you know like you can't play doubles ping pong and all this bullshit it ended up being very very good basketball for the last uh, you know eight weeks and ultimately it feels like even longer since we started this journey but we're finally at just two teams left um I'm sure the players are dying to get out of the bubble, but they have one very important task to take care of beforehand. So let's start with this. Right off the bat, what are you thinking is is, is sort of like, let's start with the Lakers. So the Lakers and Heat are both 12-3 and 3 in the playoffs, right? But the Lakers disposed of um, the Blazers in five, the uh, Rockets in five, and then, of course, the Nuggets most recently in five. What do you think is going to be different about this matchup that they haven't faced before that you think is really going to change the way they play? Because they've been effectively mowing everyone down, at, you know, aside from a couple of blips here and there. They've been pretty much taken out the competition. I mean, Miami has a real defensive identity.
0: Uh, now, you know, the Blazers and Nuggets are not known for their defense. While um, you know, the Nuggets, they have, you know, some solid defenders. Houston has been playing great defense in the playoffs but also they don't build it. their identity is not based on how they play defense they're still right. an offense driven team. Uh Miami get you know they are long they're switchable um and they've got kind of the perfect counters to AD and LeBron on paper. Uh you know you have Bam Adebayo who Anthony Davis has not had to go against anyone of significant um kind of a significant offensive of caliber. The, yeah, defensive caliber. Uh, and then you have Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder. And I, I saw stats since 2013. I think they've allowed the lowest effective field goal percentage for LeBron uh, out of all defenders in the league since then, um, or like second and third. So you know, these guys are guys who've been in the league, have guarded LeBron. Um, and besides those guys, you have Iguodala, who has locked up LeBron. And obviously, Iguodala's he's lost a step. He's not the same. It's not the same yeah. lateral quickness. But ultimately, it comes down to this team has the defensive tools to slow down the Lakers yeah Um, and that's the biggest difference that the Lakers are going to face because so far they haven't had to deal with those kinds of uh, challenges um, on offense
1: yeah you know it's interesting like before we started the bubble we were just like are there going to be asterisks like will this count and the big question was always going to be like COVID essentially right and they've done a fantastic job to sort of Eliminate that. And I kind of think that whether you played this out in their actual home arenas or in the bubble, I feel very comfortable with these two teams representing the two conferences. You yep. know what I mean? Like, yes, you could argue that maybe the Heat aren't able to beat the Bucks and the Celtics back to back without home court advantage. But I don't think anything that you saw in those two series would indicate that Miami wasn't the better team. Um yeah. And the Lakers have been the number one seed all year. They had like a four or five game lead going into the bubble and their biggest threat, the Clippers, you know, flamed out in round two. So what the Lakers did would have 100% happened regardless of where they played. So in that sense, I'm just happy that the finals is really going to be representative of, I think, despite how crazy the season was, it's going to actually be a a real champion and one that has no asterisk in any form. In fact, it probably gets like additional like sort of, you know, Medal or stick gold sticker for how much they've persevered through. I think the biggest thing that you you pointed on that I wanted to push on you is this. I don't disagree that LeBron has his sort of like counterparts of defenders that I think are going to give him as much trouble as LeBron can be given. They're going to give him trouble, right? You mentioned Butler, Iguodala, um, and Crowder in some very sparse cases. Maybe Derek Jones gets some playing time. Whatever. I think the bigger problem is going to be BAM because I don't think BAM can actually check AD like the whole game because if he picks up fouls early, it's over. Like they're not going to be able to sustain without BAM playing, you know, 40 plus minutes a game like Unfortunately, like they don't actually have, you know, he averaged 37 minutes, 37 minutes so far in the playoffs. So, he's capable of playing big minutes, but they don't really have dependable big men behind him. And yes, he's the perfect modern big, but the problem is the Lakers have three or four bigs that they play at any given time. And that's my concern for the Heat. Like if you if you think about where the Lakers have the edge, it's like who's going to guard Anthony Davis for the 35 to 40 minutes he's out there? Yes, Bam will do it in crunch time, but are you going to dust off Myers Leonard? Are you going to try to guard him with Jay Crowder early on? Are you going to try to like play Kelly Olynyk, who's going to get put in the pick-and-roll torture chamber by LeBron if he's out on the floor? So what's the strategy to really guarding AD for the full game, not just for the closing four minutes of each half, where Bam can then take that responsibility?
0: Yeah, I mean, the dirty secret about Miami is they've got a lot of weak points. As good as they are defensively, they've got a lot of weak points. And like you said, Kelly Olenek, uh, Duncan Robinson, even Tyler Hero, who's played pretty well defensively. You know what the Lakers are gonna do? And Le- what LeBron loves to do, uh, more than any other player, especially pick and, in roll, finals. Switches. Pick and roll switches, he's hunting for matchups. He's yeah. literally hunting these guys out. And so um in the Le- in the non LeBron minutes, sure, the Heat can play uh, whoever they want, but it'll be interesting because Bolstra can't have too many of these guys out there now. To the point about playing big and small, the Lakers need to play big to uh, enforce to. their will. Yeah, um, Miami wants to play small because, like you said, they outside of BAM, they don't have any real bigs they can put out there. Uh, Haslam is is not He's on the roster, but he's he's not in no shape to play. You're putting out a Linux, um, and the interesting thing I want to see is that Miami, if they choose to play that zone, they play Which, the 2-3. I think they will. Which they will. But then if the Lakers play a two-big lineup, what's happened you know, in the past is AD is going to you know, set up in that high post area. If Bam comes out and they're playing another big, it's going to be lob city all day. And the Lakers yeah. did this in the regular season quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and so the Lakers want to play that two-big lineup so they can counter that zone. Because now you have to force Bam to pick. Yeah. Step up on AD or drop back, and if you step drop back, AD is going to just live at the free throw line. So,
1: yeah. or or if LeBron is in there, he's going to make every right oh, play yeah. from there. So exactly, he's just going to get in there and then kick it out. Here's forever, the so. here's the dilemma that the that the Heat face, right? Because if you play that two three zone, Boston couldn't really exploit this because Jason Tatum, while he be, is becoming a very good playmaker. I think even in game six, he had 11 assists. He's still not consistent quarter to quarter. We saw that with a lot of spots where he just would disappear. And I think ultimately if he needs to go work on something, it's his off season is how to get points when your shot's not falling, how to continue to be aggressive. But putting that aside for a second, I think LeBron and AD are going to continue to exploit that matchup. But what the zone allows them to do is collapse a little bit more on AD without throwing a full double team on him where it leaves wide open shooters around the court. Because you can't... Okay, so like the starting lineup for the Heat is Bam, Jimmy, Jay, here, Duncan Robinson, and uh, Goran Dragic, right? In that lineup, you have to assume Bam starts on their center. So let's say Dwight or, or uh, JaVale. Let's say, let's say Dwight gets a start. Crowder can't guard Davis one-on-one. But if you send help from a Robinson or from a Dragic, you're now opening yourself up to KCP and Danny Green wide open threes. Now, they are not like the Lakers are not a proficient shooting team from three. But if you give those guys enough open looks, I mean, that's not a shot that's going to be very challenging to make. Mm -hmm. The flip side is you do get you do get a little bit more ability to double AD without totally collapsing the defense in the zone. The problem for the for the Heat is the Lakers live like you said in the interior at the rim on the glass and zone defense is harder to box is harder to defensive rebound because you don't have a man that you're boxing out you're boxing out an area you can't actually like make sure you're up against LeBron or Dwight or Javale whoever so I do worry that that zone's going to give up a lot of rebounds Boston couldn't really exploit it because they have one credible big man um, and Adebayo was fast enough to get back on Tice but. In this series, it's going to be a huge concern because you're going to have Dwight taking, you know, runs to the rim and then he gets rebounds. And I think they have a, like, when I come back and try to play the series out, I think LeBron is not the concern and it's actually AD. And one thing I think is worthwhile to discuss, and I'm going to take this in a different direction here, is people are talking about is Anthony Davis LeBron's best teammate ever, right? Mm-hmm. This iteration of, Davis I think is absolutely his best teammate ever because I'll say this is why Davis isn't is a beta mentality wise but he's always been an alpha production wise Mm -hmm. the combination of what you've talked about a lot which is big man can't really beat a focal point of successful teams consistently because they just don't control enough of the offensive action Mm
0: -hmm.
1: plus the fact that he's just not built for it let's be honest. Right. He's not built to be the guy, No, but he's built to fucking produce. And he is the most productive Laker. Uh, LeBron is still the best player on the team, but Anthony Davis is the most productive Laker. And they need to figure out how they can neutralize a player they don't actually have an answer for. And that's where I think the series tips in the favor of Los Angeles. That's what I'm trying to understand. How are they going to guard AD like they can send the double? They can put bam on them some of the times, but they're going to have to get really creative because they have to avoid foul trouble. Cause the fact is their big man rotation is pretty thin. Yep. And, and you know,
0: your point about collapsing and, you know, still maintaining distance from the shooters, which the zone allows them to do. They did that on Giannis. Like that worked perfectly with Milwaukee. Yeah. Every time you get the ball, they'd send that second guy. And they had a lot of just those, the uh, cause Milwaukee to create those turnovers where they just literally poked it out of his hands. Mm -hmm. Um, now, but the, and obviously Milwaukee is a great shooting team, but they were able to close out on those shooters when Giannis did want to kick it out. Now, like you said, the difference is in Milwaukee's case, you have Brooke Lopez, another big, but he'd be oftentimes camping out behind three or playing a little bit further out. Yeah. Dwight and JaVale are not going to be doing that. They're going to be right at the rim. So you're going to be giving up something. You're going to be giving up lobs or you're going to be over indexing on those Anthony Davis, um, uh, you know, high post, uh, high post action. So or like elbow mid range, yeah. Uh, elbow mid range, and so it, it's it puts them in a tough spot. And you know what you said about Anthony Davis being a, a beta, it's hundred percent true. And I think the best thing that happened to him this playoffs though is hitting that game winning shot, because he needed that moment to feel like he can and will take over. LeBron and Kyrie and Wade, who were alphas, yeah. And sometimes they clash because of that, but they always had that mentality. I don't think Anthony Davis has shown that until literally that, you know, in the playoffs and then with that, the culmination of being that game where he hit the game winner. And LeBron's going to need him to step up like that because he's the guy who's going to be like the kind of cheat code for the Lakers in this series.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's very reminiscent. I mean, they haven't spent nearly the amount of time that Jordan and Pippen spent together, but it's very reminiscent of like, pippen's early career kind of marred by things like the migraine and things where it's like are we questioning his toughness are we questioning his care- mentality never questioning the talent and the same thing is true with anthony davis never ever questioning the talent now anthony davis is probably higher up in the hierarchy of current nba players than pippen was at that time but it's a similar idea where it's like i need this guy to lock in and think he's a dog for me to, to be able to team up and win a championship with him mm-hmm. and it started back in the preseason honestly when like a- LeBron was building up the AD MVP campaign when he was like trying to give him the number when he realized that like this dude needs to be infused with the confidence that I have as LeBron for him to actually un- unlock his true potential. Now, yep. you saw it where he finished, what is it, second or third in the defensive player of the year. He's first team All-NBA. He's done those kind of things before, though, but he's never had the moment in the playoffs. Like you said, he's won one playoff series in his whole career before this year. Um, and I think that matters because... Look, we see this time and time again. Paul George is a perfect example. There's a different league happening in the playoffs than there is in the regular season. Like, it's made up of different types of dudes. Like, I'll give you a classic example. Like, Jimmy Butler, we've always had him somewhere in the top 15 of players, right? You know, over the last several years. But when questions start to arise, oh, he can't shoot anymore. Oh, he's not a good teammate. But, like... Anybody you talk to is like, this is a guy you want in the playoffs. And the reason there's such a distinction is because there's like a different mentality you have to have. I think the same is we are finding out to be true about a guy like Jamal Murray, who's kind of built for that moment, who's not afraid. And I think Anthony Davis probably is just so naturally talented. He walks into a 30 and 10 when he wakes up, yep. but he wasn't like activated in the way that he has been in this in this run. And specifically, I think, in the Nuggets series. Mm hmm. Uh, it actually started in the Rocket Series because he was fucking menace in the Rocket Series defensively. And this is where he like tapped into all the offensive gifts that he had. Like I think it was game four after they were up. You know They lost game three. They won game two on his game winner. In game four, he started off like six of six or something like that, like right off the bat, set the tone. And the Nuggets could never really recover from that. And that was the pivotal game in the series. And I think there's a world in which – I know what the narrative is going to try to push for, but there's a world in which he's the MVP of the finals.
0: Oh yeah, it could, it could definitely happen, and I, I mean I think that and LeBron's greatest strength as a player is tapping into that, tapping into that um, into players and getting them to bring out the best of themselves. And, and this it's not just with stars; this is with role players. Like a guy like Caruso is bold and confident, and LeBron fuels that. Uh, he mm-hmm. did this with Della in Cleveland. He did this with Chalmers in Miami. Like, he pushes these guys, and these guys are fearless. And that's not it's not a, just a coincidence that these kinds of guys are always on LeBron's teams. The harder part to do that is to get your superstar to play like that. Because, like you said, Andy Davis walks into 30-10 every day. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a separate gear you have to kind of turn on yeah. to be even more, like... Uh, impactful, and I think, or that all thirty tens are created equal, or exactly, all thirty tens are not created equal. He could sleepwalk to thirty tens, and he did that a lot of times in uh, yeah. in New Orleans. So I, it, I could easily see Anthony Davis winning Finals MVP. The only reason he wouldn't is it'll be close between the two of them, and then the narrative is just you know people want to give LeBron his his yeah. recognition. So plus but LeBron I, is going to rack up like counting stats like he always does. That's right? what I'm like, saying. Like he'll yeah. be in the conversation no matter what. It's not going to be like a open and shut case for AD or the,
1: the, the big question for the Lakers is really going to be like everything we've seen from Davis, this playoff run in LeBron, his entire career is that he's They're going to come through, right? Like you almost have to like, if you're Eric false, you almost have to wonder like, do we just let them get theirs and try to take out the others? Yep. That strategy used to work. I think when it was just LeBron, like in those early Cleveland years, but with two players who are putting up like 60 between them it's kind of hard to just say let them both get theirs and control everyone else because someone will pop off invariably
0: mm-hmm. but
1: with the lakers you know if you go if you go look at who's played the best at, as far as like the role players you probably would pick like you know rajon rondo is probably number 1 um and then you probably put like kcp as number 2
0: yeah
1: and those two players uh, have had a lot of warts, uh, to put it kindly, in recent years, even this season. So the question becomes, like, at what point does it go for them, right? A couple of weeks ago, I talked about Jay Crowder and how I was worried about the green light that he had because he's not that good of a shooter. And he went ice cold after that. They were able to still get by because other guys picked it up, whatever. And Jay Crowder, like you were saying, is not playing such a pivotal role that I was going to swing yeah. series or games, but Rondo and Pope and call of Pope and green and, and, and Markeith Morris could swing the series yep. because they're going to leave one of two of them are going to win one or two games on their own or lose it. Yeah. And I think that's the big concern, or at least like that's what I would worry about if I'm Vogel. How do I put those guys in a position to succeed? Because I know my stars are going to get theirs and I know that they're going to come out to play and, like, is it open threes? Is it running some, like, uh, dribble handoffs? Is it running some flare screens? Like, what's the way that I can get them good looks early on so they can start feeling comfortable? Um, because as much experience as LeBron has and even Danny Green has, the rest of these guys, this is uncharted territory. Yep. Uh, much like many of the players on the Heat. So it's not just because you put the Lakers jersey on, you get all of the, like, history of their franchise a lot of these guys haven't done shit before and i think you know similar to miami you have that experience gap that i think is you know always rares its head in the finals
0: yeah and uh a lot of the role like you know the Lakers have done a good job mitigating the the fact that all their role players suck and suck but um they haven't had to rely on any of them Step up, yeah. right? We always ask, oh, who's the third guy? Who's the third guy? It hasn't really mattered because LeBron and AD have been that good. Um, I think the challenge they're gonna face is Rondo has been really good. But Rondo in so in the non-Lebron minutes now, with Rondo running pick and roll, it's not gonna work as well against the Heat. It just They were isn't.
1: scoring in an absurd clip uh um, yeah. in Rondo pick and rolls against the Nuggets. Like they're gonna have a hard best.
0: time. Yeah. I agree. And then without without LeBron on the floor, when they were winning a lot of those minutes without LeBron on the floor. Right? LeBron was getting some good stretches of rest, and the the Lakers weren't losing too much. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case with Miami. I think LeBron's going to have to actually play significant minutes in the series because that's when the warts really start to show themselves. Yeah. Um, when it's the lineup is Rondo, Caruso, KCP, maybe AD <laughs> and and a big. Like, uh, it's going to be very hard for them to generate offense. So. I'm interested to see how he plays. And I think, you know, KCP and these guys, the the biggest worry is that, like you said, none of them have been in this moment. The Heat have guys who are, like, top down. And you have Hero and Duncan Robinson. But outside of that, like, Drogic is... He's been amazing for them down the stretch, especially. Like, everyone talks about Jimmy, like, getting buckets down the stretch. Drogic has been that go-to score for them as well.
1: And um, they've got a lot of of guys... Some of the threes he's been hitting... Yeah, it's are just like, what the fuck? Like, step back, pull ups like he's James Harden. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you forget how good he I mean, he's always been a great player. But I think
0: he, he's always been slightly forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, like the Heat have a, full, a roster full of those guys who are not afraid. And then you have Kuzma, who's been up and down. You yeah. have uh, Caruso, who he tailed off a little bit offensively in the last series, even though he plays solid defense. You have Jr. and Dion, who probably won't see the floor. Um, And you have Rondo. Like, am I missing someone? Danny Green, who's looked just... Some of his shots just brick so badly that I have no confidence in him hitting a shot. So... It'll be interesting. They need to they, get some more production
1: out of some of these guys. The encouraging thing is like the Lakers were never a juggernaut offensively. Like this team was yeah. built on defense. They make they their finished, bones on defense. Yeah. They finished 11th in the league in offense third in defense in the bubble, uh, specifically in the playoffs, they've actually been second in offensive ratings, scoring 115 points per hundred percent. And first place is the jazz who were playing the nuggets in that absolutely <laughs> yeah. bonkers series. So by all intents and purposes like the Lakers have actually played pretty well offensively. Now the flip side is Miami is is the the best defensive team that they've played. Okay. But, you know, Miami during the regular season was a middling defensive team. They give up a ton of points in the restricted area even though they have a lot of good individual defenders between Butler and Crowder and Bam and Iggy. They didn't necessarily put together a cohesive team defense. Even in the bubble, you know they're seventh in defense in, uh, out of the sixteen teams in the playoffs, and so I think while it's the best team uh, defensively uh, that I think the Lakers have played, it's not some type of over the top like you know Duncan era Spurs that they're going right. to try to run into. Um, and they're I not, think they're that,
0: also not good in transition, which right, the Lakers which the thrive Lakers
1: thrive in right. transition. So how do you limit turnovers i mean tyler hero for example he's a young ball handler as much as we love hero he's also a guy that's prone i think last game he had five turnovers um in in the closeout versus boston those are all those are all points for for lebron and co like once they're once on the break it's done um it's always been done lebron's always been probably the best transition player in nba history uh when you think about his speed ball handling and ability to finish at the rim so I guess the the big concern for me is, like, if you think about the Lakers humming along offensively despite this, like, hodgepodge role-player crew, why do we expect that to change when we don't even think many guys outside of a couple have even played that particularly well? Um, And the, the, the other thing for the Lakers is as much as
0: now offensively they have a tougher challenge, look, defensively they had to go up against Lillard. They had to go up against Harden. They had to go up against uh, Jamal Murray, guys who you'd have to start trapping. You'd have to kind of shade coverage overdue. Yes, Miami has Jimmy Butler as a superstar, but he's a pseudo superstar. He's not going to kill you in the way those guys would, where they're a threat to score from all over the floor. Yeah. So in some ways, you know, as great as Miami is, they're a little bit more limited offensively than a lot of those other teams the Lakers have played, which um, kind of falls into their...
1: So so what I would argue is that because of LeBron's cerebral nature, you could say that having a ball dominant superstar who's not as good as him is actually a hindrance. Because you can neutralize that a little bit easier, like they were trapping Harden, like LeBron was checking Jamal Murray, Lillard got hurt and that Portland team was never very good. So I don't want to put too much stock into that. But like. In a way, the fact that Jimmy Butler is a low usage superstar means that it's hard to key in on one guy. Yep. Like LeBron's not chasing Duncan Robinson off screens, right? <laughs> like he's not running around all the goddamn court trying to like keep keep a hold of Hero and Robinson and all the shooters that they have. So in fact, Robinson could pop off for five or six threes in a given game, and LeBron or AD can't really actually do anything about that. Yep. yep. So on one hand, the the risk is that like, okay, well, if we can't count on points coming from somewhere, will it come from anywhere? That's Miami's issue because mm-hmm. they can't tell Jimmy go get his 30. He's not, he's really not that kind of player. Um, maybe earlier in his career in Chicago, he was more consistent right now. It comes and goes. It depends on the free throws, things like that. His shot has sort of abandoned him a little bit, but like, that's the question. It's like, if LeBron, let's say Dragic is going off, and LeBron's like, "Okay, I'm going to guard Dragic," it it kind of doesn't matter because there's four other guys that could score as like probably as like effectively as Dragic on a given possession. No, and that's what the Nuggets didn't have, or definitely the Rockets didn't have. <laughs> um, and I think that's what would hurt. Uh, you know, that's what would hurt the Lakers on defense because ultimately, like, if you look at that Boston Miami series, like Boston. There's a very reasonable case they should have won. They were up big in game one and two. They lost both of those. They were up big and they had they had a late lead in game six. They lost that. So you could say three of the four leads, they three of the four games that they lost, they lost a the second half lead. But the reason they lost is because they couldn't get stops. Um Hero popped off for 36. autobio had 32. Uh Butler had some games. Dragic had a big game. Um Duncan Robinson, I think, hit six threes in a game. So like Iguodala hit five threes in a game. So uh, the the problem is you don't know who it's coming from, but the, the the positive is like it's harder to game plan for that.
0: Yeah, you're right. And they're going to put more pressure on – I mean, the Lakers, first of all, are very good at rotating defensively. Very good. But every good defensive team at some point breaks. If you pass it up, uh, the ball enough, and swing it around, every good defensive team at some point will break. Yeah. But, you know – the Nuggets, the Rockets, the uh, Blazers all get into ball stopping mode towards the end of games. The Heat don't do that as much. Yes, they they have closers, but they're always moving the ball around. And like you saw mm-hmm. that in the game against Boston, too, when they were down 96 90, um, they were getting good look after good look. They got stops on the defensive end, and then they were just kept getting good looks that they were sinking on offense. Um, and Bam was also just, you know, going to town. So, I agree. It is a unique uh, challenge for the Lakers defensively. It makes it even harder, given that they don't have one guy you can key in on. Um, yeah. And you kind of spread out. And, like, LeBron and AD are great defensively, but how about the rest of that roster? Individually, they're not a lot of great defenders. And so I, you can you can put a little pressure on them.
1: I do feel that Bam is going to be neutralized a little bit more than what we saw like right now in the playoffs he's he's putting up absurd numbers like he's averaging 19 11 and 5 he's shooting 57 percent from the field like he's starting to like there's been a lot of superstar talk let's just say that there's been a lot of like top 10 in the nba talk um (laughs) i don't know if i'm ready to to go to that extent um But he was the best player in that series. And if you remember, we were debating between Jimmy and Jason Tatum, and I was like trying to build a Jason Tatum statue, like in my living room (laughs) at the time. And Bam ended up being such a dominant two-way force. But what concerns me is like he's not a threat from three, right? So he's not really bringing the center defender out to the three-point line to create driving lanes. Um, At the same time, he's a excellent passer so i think he he should be able to find the holes but like you said the lakers are such a good um switching but also just like chasing team chasing yeah uh they have super long arms they're in passing lanes they get they force the a bunch recovery of turnovers. The recovery, yeah, the recovery is- time is awesome and a lot of that is frankly effort um which is you know in a way what's so frustrating when teams don't do it well Uh, Miami is the same way they're just unbelievably fast on defense but I wonder if Bam's gonna find the holes in the Lakers defense the way he did in the Boston defense because I don't actually think that that's likely and and when he does go one-on-one he's gonna have to be guarded by AD or Dwight two you know defensive player of the year type uh, candidates and I know Dwight's not peak Dwight anymore but he's still a good face up in the post defender
0: I mean, let, let's not forget the Lakers beat Jokic. They solved Jokic by the end of that series. Jokic yeah. was, he couldn't do anything. He wasn't productive. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that was Dwight as well, especially when it right. started Dwight in game five. Yeah. Um, you know, he frustrated Jokic quite a bit. Jokic got into early foul trouble. So it's going to be a similar challenge for Bam. It's, the open looks are not going to be there. No. He's got to watch out getting into foul trouble because that's what really hurt the Nuggets. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Bam, as great as he is and as great as he's been, he's not going to unlock this defense by any means but yeah um but he i think he will be the best defender ad is going to play against which i think that'll yeah. be the interesting
1: thing to watch and he's not a better offensive player than jokic um but what he is that jokic isn't he's is, is a little bit more athletic and i think he's a little bit he's got and this isn't going to be measurable but i do think he's got a little bit more of like that mean streak and like sort of like you know, like, I don't think he's going to get punked the way Jokic kind of got punked a little bit yeah. by Dwight. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have the frame of a Howard or an Anthony Davis even. But I do think that, like, you know, they're going to go small. They're going to try to run as well. And I think they're going to shoot a ton of threes. Like, this was the best shooting team in the league, basically. I think they finished first or second in three-point percentage, first or second in free-throw percentage. Uh, The Lakers, when Dwight's on the floor, I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast. He was talking about how when Dwight's on the floor, they foul a lot because he fouls a lot. Um, If they can get into the penalty early and Jimmy starts attacking, getting to the line, because while he's not a traditional ISO scorer in the mold of a Durant or a Kawhi, where he does put a lot of pressure on you is getting foul calls and getting to the line 10 to 12 times a game. And that's going to have to be the recipe Uh, You know, in in the playoffs so far, he's gone 9.2 times a game to the line. He's got to be up in 10 to 12 range. Um, If LeBron's guarding him, maybe they don't give him that many, but that's got to be the the mission for him. Like, let's get easy points. Let's find a way to convert because they also, like I said, are locked, knocked down from from the free throw line. Um, I think the point you were talking about earlier where LeBron's hunting matchups there's always going to be someone on the floor that LeBron can hunt because <laughs> yep. one of Robinson Dragic or hero will be playing the whole game. Yep. And how do they fight through those switches? Do they go under the pick? Do they, do they give it a shot for hero and just try to double or send help? That'll be the key. Um, mm-hmm. and then if they do send help, what do those corner three point shooters do? Because LeBron's going to try to find those guys every time. Um, LeBron's also notorious
0: for going after uh, Kelly Olynyk. Um, they can't a lot play of him. people. A lot of people well, – I know they probably won't play him, but a lot of people think it has to do with the, the Cleveland uh, – Kevin Love. Boston series of Kevin Love and that dirty play. And ever since then, every time they play, he goes straight at Olynyk every single time he's on the floor. And I didn't think Olynyk was going to play
1: anyway, but it would just be funny to see um, if he does how well, that plays out. It, it is interesting though because – he is their backup big. Um, they basically stopped playing Myers Leonard. He's only played one game in the playoffs. Um, and Olenek offers some shooting that they don't get necessarily from like Leonard's a decent three point shooter, but they don't like necessarily. I mean, he hasn't played like he's literally been sitting in the garage and with Bam Butler or a on the floor. Those are already three non shooters. Um so I, I I do wonder what they're gonna do with that second big um and, and separately, I think one of the most fascinating thing about things about these heat about this heat team is how often, if ever, have we seen a team that basically changed their rotation such that forty percent of their primary starters from the regular season just don't even play in the playoffs yeah. <laughs> You know, Myers Leonard and Kendrick Nunn started a majority of the games this season and they're not even in the rotation. Yeah. Nunn has
0: looked terrible anytime he's on the floor, and then Leonard hasn't even really played. Um
1: I wonder I mean, if they go. Do they, they dust Atlantic. off
0: Solomon Hill for some more minutes? <laughs>
1: no. I don't think Solomon Hill even knows that the finals is starting tomorrow. <laughs> I honestly I don't know that you can play Olenek because I don't think his three point shooting is going to be worth unless you just play him specifically when LeBron's not on the floor, um, and have him guard. I guess Javale. Like if Javale gets some run, I, like I wouldn't do anything more than spot duty. Yeah. I and agree. the good thing is Miami hasn't played a ton of games. Uh, this isn't like Denver, yeah, who's gone like set. They both played 15 games, so they should be relatively fresh. Yeah, that's true.
0: I, I do want to talk about LeBron uh, a little bit. Now, yeah. I, you know, watching that Denver and Nuggets series, and obviously his LeBron's stand, I watch him like a hawk uh, whenever he's on the floor, and his he started to kind of falter down the stretch in many of those, uh, at least some of the early games in that Denver series, where yeah. he lacked the burst, he lacked the touch on his jump shot, he was shooting a lot of shots short, and he had this turnover issue. He was turning it over a ton uh, near the end of games, and I started to wonder if the fatigue was getting to him, if the age was creeping up. And then the last two games, you know, game four, defensively, the, you know, yes, he had one foul, but in those minutes against Murray, completely changed what Denver had to do on offense, took the ball out of Murray's hands. At the one point, they're going to Monty Morris to run plays near the end of that game. Mm -hmm. And then in game five, where he he went Lebronto, um, knocking jumpers from all over the place. And and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, LeBron. We always knew he had that in him. But I think it was still refreshing to see, if you're a Lakers fan, that he's still got that gear. And he's not going to go to it every game. But um, close out LeBron is real. Like, And that's the difference between him, Kawhi, all these other guys.
1: Like, he will – when he smells blood, he's going to go for the kill. Yeah, he knows how to step on the throat in the way, like, I don't think anybody but Jordan – has shown us in, like, recent years or, like, you know, modern NBA history. Um, LeBron on Saturday was uh, year 17, over 50,000 minutes, nine finals, going for his 10th in this bubble to put up a 38, 16, and 10 in a closeout, make every right play just completely dominate and strip the soul out of the nuggets was he's always like unfairly and frankly, incorrectly thought of not having the same kind of killer instinct that Jordan and Kobe had. Um I'm not sure if that's because he's more maybe open, like in the social media sense or, or, or absolutely because of that. And he goes yeah. around a lot. Um, Right, he used to do like the handshakes and like the photo. You remember like the like yeah. fake. photo? I mean,
0: look Taco Tuesday. Like it's hard to think of a guy like that as a stone cold killer.
1: Right, but I still think that like when your chips on the table, like I can't believe that he's still, and I'm and I'm gonna concede this. He's still the best player in the league because he's the only one that every single game you're favored to win because he's on your team and he would have never done what did what Kawhi did to the Nuggets they would have never ever lost the 3-1 lead in fact they were up 3-1 and this is the game that this happened in but even putting aside let's say the Nuggets were tired or whatever but like it just wouldn't have happened he would never ever lose three straight um you know Durant is probably the closest to him um healthy Durant and now that Durant's post Achilles who knows but to still be the best player in the game at this age is, is really unprecedented. Um, when Kobe was 35, uh, he was – I think that was the season he tore his Achilles mm-hmm. um, in 2013. And I think that he was de- – was having a pretty decent season, but he wasn't the guy anymore yeah. um, at that point. He probably stopped being the guy basically after they won their fifth title in 2010. And – I'm just it's really mesmerizing um when you think about the the what the like records are gonna end up at uh when you think about the the, the stats that like this late in his career he's he's walking on chartered territory right now, and every time he does something, it's basically like the next piece of history he's writing um, yeah and as much as we joke about the goat debate and like how I said Jordan, you know he's gotta do everything short of inventing the Discovering the COVID vaccine for me to make him number one, like, a title doesn't do it for me, but let me ask you this. Let's say, would you say 80 percent of basketball fans think Jordan's the, the number one of all time right now? Yeah, comfortably 80 percent now. If he wins this, where does that drop? Or it does it drop? I think it it's goes. To 60 to 70. Jordan fans are
0: like Trump supporters. Okay, they're going to dig their heels in and they're going to throw away all the evidence in front of their face, even when, um, you know, Jordan's not willing to condemn white supremacy. Like it's they're never going to give. Well, Hunter Biden
1: received three point five million from Russia. So (laughs) what do you guys say about that? I I think it'll go from 80, 20 to 70, 30. Uh, So not a seismic shift. No, I
0: don't think so. Because, look, I mean, people have made up their minds like people are going to say. Six rings, six rings. The people who have the nuance to consider LeBron for the GOAT once he wins four titles, there's not a, that's not a large group. It's, it's a lot of six rings, six rings. You're not going to touch that undefeated in the finals. Um, Can I
1: make one point, though? Yeah, That I think we didn't talk about last time, and I think generally gets overlooked. Would you agree a big part of the LeBron aura is the 10 finals? You know, it was nine, now 10, including eight straight, like yeah. just like the general like yeah. general difficulty in that, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But when the Jordan 6-0 and in the finals gets brought up, it's like it's not all about team. And it's like, you know, whatever rings culture, like it's more than just you. There's a whole thing that. I... But why do we give LeBron credit for reaching the finals that we don't want to like bestow on Le- Jordan for winning the finals like in either case, isn't it still a team accomplishment? But in one case, because it's more, we're saying it's more player-driven, whereas, like, the 6-0, and being 6-0, and isn't player-driven. No, like, I, It's I almost like if you want to make a stats argument against, uh, like, LeBron over Jordan, you could. But if you want to make, like, a accomplishments as a team argument...
0: Yeah, look, I mean, no one's saying that the, the 10 finals are greater than the 6 finals. Uh, no one's saying that. The longevity. The ten finals are are longevity It's like the no. whole
1: rings culture thing. No, people no, get mad and like, oh, it's rings culture, blah blah blah.
0: No, it's ten finals is the longevity plus enough winning, which is three rings so far, and maybe four, that makes it a conversation. I agree. It's like, why is it that Jordan is? It's a team game when he wins six finals, but for LeBron, just getting to the finals, it's all because of him.
1: Exactly. No, I, th-
0: that's not. That's not the issue. The issue is. Look, LeBron, and people also, like, you know, you brought up this in our GOAT debate around why are we so big on, like, participation medals? Like, he's lost in the finals so many times. Why is that used to put him over Jordan? Like, fair, it's, a, it's still a good accomplishment, but how does that lift him over Jordan just because he's lost so many times? Yeah. Um. And, and the thing is, it's context, man. It's I think it all comes down to, you have to think about who Jordan played and the, the state of that league. And, and LeBron has had different... Contenders for the best player in the league throughout his career. Um, he had Kobe originally when he started to slowly surpass him. Then you you went through uh um who was next.
1: Wade Durant. was in the conversation, but I Wade. never thought Wade was really there. No, I think it was they, basically like Kobe Duncan early, and then LeBron forever, and then KD Noise, and then now Kawhi Noise. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I think, okay, if you take out 2011, because obviously that's the one thing you can hold against him, and it'll always hold against him, but LeBron is, he's as dominant as Jordan was. I think everyone start, can see that. He is as dominant. We talked about the killer instinct, closing out games. I mean, another stat that people have brought up is the Lakers are 53-0 and after leading in the third quarter.
1: That's insane.
0: Not every good team has a stat like that. It's it's a LeBron. Uh, no,
1: good. I would say no teams have a stat like that. No teams, insane. and then
0: and then people are like, okay, maybe this one year with AD. Guess what? His in the last year with Cleveland, they had something like a fifty to one record leading after the third quarter with that crap Cleveland team. So that's a LeBron imprint, and I think so. It's LeBron's dominance is just like Jordan's dominance. The difference is he hasn't had the infrastructure or the team. Or he's gone up against all-time great teams that's prevented him from winning. So the 10 finals is to show that his dominance still exists in some form, but it's
1: not obviously enough to win him all those titles. Well, my point was in the last 10 years, he's chosen basically every ounce of his infrastructure.
0: No, 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 no. Okay, so there's a difference. Everyone says, oh, but he left and he built these super teams. Look, he didn't get one organically in Cleveland. That's so fine. Have, I actually don't so, fault yeah, him for leaving. So you, you have to can't go just to read wait on it. this shit management to like yeah. hook. Yeah, so I'm fine, fine with went, him leaving. He went to the Miami Heat. They had a great
1: team. Um, they yeah. had a great one, and but that's you want. We can't say me. he didn't have the infrastructure when he's chosen his infrastructure for the last ten it's, plus years. He's had to choose his infrastructure because look, which is and, fine, but he's taken you know, that it, into it, his
0: own he, hands. No, no, but look, if he he got he got to choose Miami great infrastructure, great supporting cast outside of that first year. Um, But Wade's knees broke down. Like,
1: Bosch did a lot of... Here's the point. Here's the point, though. Like, let's take... Miami's actually a great example. He left at the first sign of trouble. Do you really think Miami, with Pat Riley, who is one of the greatest team builders in NBA history, and Eric Spolstra, who's a Hall of Fame coach, um, were really going to be bad or not a title contender soon after? Yeah. Yeah. 2014, like without LeBron, with Bosh having the um, blood clot situation, with Wade going down, getting old, and then leaving for Chicago, they were able to get back to relevancy through a number of moves. And then the fact is they were in the lottery last year, now in the NBA Finals. And you could say, yes, that's six years later from 2014 between Finals appearances. LeBron but went they to all- the
0: Finals 2015 with Cleveland. He went the yeah, next year.
1: if LeBron stayed they would have been able to figure out a workable solution. LeBron, like you said, elevates you to a floor of 50, 50 to 55 wins and a t- chance at the title. Do you look. think that 2015, like if you go look at 2015 and like the murderous road that that Cavs team went through, knocked off the heat, the healthy he Bosh, uh, sort of role player Wade and prime LeBron. They would have made the finals for sure in 2015. No, no question about it. Look, they wouldn't and have won it. it and
0: and look, they, that, that they Cavs they could anyway. have won it. I mean, they could have won it if Kyrie was healthy. Like, I mean, I mean they, they went to six. Look, the a lot of the losses for LeBron, it's luck, man. It's bad luck. It's bad luck. It's going up against all-time great teams. Like, they were one-and-one one with
1: that Warriors team. I'm not saying it's not luck. I'm saying that, like, I think – or I don't think it's luck. Let me say that. I'm not saying it's not – um It's not that he played poorly a lot because he hasn't. All I'm saying is that like if he had trusted Pat Riley and trusted Eric Spolstra, who are clearly like two of the greats in the game in terms of like building the sound infrastructure that we just talked about, he didn't need to keep changing. In fact, he had the infrastructure there. He, I, I wholly support him for leaving the dumpster he, fire in he, Cleveland yeah. from 2003 to 2010. They did not do a good job in any situation. Given how early in his career he was ready to win, they did not do a good job surrounding him with players who could really elevate him. Um, there's some revisionist history going on about the 2007 Cavs and how they were better defensively and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, but I, but I think, my point is I agree with that. But in Miami, and I think that's why this finals is actually very personal to both Pat Riley and and LeBron because of the press conference after. Le, you know, LeBron was essentially at the yeah. door. I think there is an animosity of like, look, if you had stayed, we would have made this thing work. I've never not made something work. Pat Riley has been successful in every stop in his NBA career. Um, this, I mean, that that Heat
0: team was in a much more broken place than you're letting. Like, first of all, you'd have to pay LeBron.
1: Okay, yeah, like, pay him. already
0: and. You're already paying for Wade and Bosh. Like, you're already – yes, they they retooled pretty quickly. It took them six years to get back to this point. But I, I see what you're saying. But they're not going to that
1: same path if, if LeBron is signed onto their team. They're doing different and, things, though. It and, took them six years, but they also didn't have LeBron James on the team the whole time.
0: Yeah, um, but I, I think – I just think that not enough credit. Like People say, oh, he chose his team. Of course they're going to do well. He chose the superstars winning with a completely different coach with a different superstar. You start you have a Wade, then you have a Kyrie. Now maybe if he wins, he's got Anthony Davis like he's he's showing he can win it in a multitude of environments. He can win it in the Eastern Conference, he can we haven't seen him win it yet, but if he wins this year, he wins into the Western Conference. Like at some point all these things start to add up and matter like how many more finals how many more teams how many more things does he have to do for people to stop saying
1: he doesn't have six rings because at some point it's all got to overwhelm the jordan argument i i'm actually glad you brought up the new team thing i actually think given the way the league is shaped up today um i'm not taking account away from his greatness i am taking away from the level of difficulty it is to win with a new team. Everyone's playing on a new team every two years, literally. Like, aside from the Warriors core, who in the league has stayed together since two years ago? So in reality, what and the NBA has essentially turned into is the way college turned into the one-and-done factory, where, like... Kentucky winning with Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, or uh, Duke winning with Jahlil Okafor and Justice Winslow. It's almost not that impressive, even though when Carmelo Anthony did it in 03, it was like, holy shit, how did you win with a freshman as your best player A one and done? The way the league is turned today, everyone is new, and there isn't really continuity anywhere in the league except for Wall and Beal who are going on year nine of, of failure. And you're so, playing into my argument why it's harder no, for point LeBron, is, and it's more. It's not harder because it's because not like what? he's playing. It's not like he's on brand new teams every year playing against the like Detroit Pistons in the mid 2000s who have stuck together forever.
0: No, my point is, you have Jordan. All these teams that have been getting their ass kicked by Jordan stay the same, and I, I mentioned this on our GoPod. Like he's playing the same shit like teams every year. It's not, like not one year shit, just because Carl they stay Malone, together. and John Stockton and like or Carmelo and like Charles Barkley, or someone I don't know, like you don't have these weird superstar combinations coming up and then trying to dethrone Throne Jordan. They're all superstars, just, they're all comfortable just going home every offseason, just you know, letting Jordan kind of uh, yeah, it worked
1: out really well for the Clippers where they rings. put all their eggs in the Paul George basket, and next thing you know, their coach is fired. Yeah, you
0: know, it doesn't always work,
1: but like my point is, like the Raptors last year, you make a big swing for Kawhi,
0: you win the title, the Warriors, you get Durant, like. That that Durant signing wasn't happening in the mid '90s, and LeBron has had to go but up. Durant and ball- signing
1: was not happening at any point in NBA history. It was such an uh, anomaly that, like, I can't even like. There's no analogy for it. There's no like comparison. No, no because there isn't. I fair, but the and I've is- already conceded that I think I think LeBron beating them well. That pretty- hold now
0: into a to LeBron discussion, <laughs> which maybe we get back out of. All I'm saying is that.
1: If they win they still have to win this, because if they lose this, I, I'm not making the argument. I'm if not. they lose this, the I think either direction. And the reason why we went into this rabbit hole is because this is the storyline hanging over the whole series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you can call it what you want, but this is I think really what hangs in balance. Like Jimmy Butler winning a title would be fun and cool, but it's not changing like the annals of NBA history, no. spectacularly. So, you know, Anthony Davis. Same way, like he's already headed to the Hall of Fame. I'm sure this will be another notch on the belt. But like ultimately, like LeBron's place in NBA history is is in the balance. And like if they win, the GOAT arguments will become much louder. As they should. I'm not saying it's his, but I think they yeah. should his case but is obviously strengthened. If you don't think it's strengthened, then you basically think there's literally nothing he can do to be. And the I goat.
0: Mean, and here's the other thing. Like he's not going any away. Anytime soon, like the right. drop off might come, but Anthony Davis is good enough. Let's say this team next year somehow, you know, there's still gonna be contention. Like, sure. who knows how long this run goes, right? Um, if he wins well, you next year, take again, year like, by year, you gotta take yeah. it year by year. Yeah, he hasn't even won it this year. But but what I'm trying to say is that I don't think Jordan fans are ever gonna concede because and look, if yeah. I'm a Jordan fan and I've been a Jordan fan for so long, I'm not gonna all of a sudden arbitrarily decide. Oh yeah, four I think titles.
1: You literally said on this platform that you hated Michael Jordan growing up. I hated him. I hated him.
0: So I'm looking, okay. I'm I'm ready to call
1: LeBron the goat after he won his first ring. But, but I, I'm being reasonable, man. I I just think that I I don't disagree. I think it's a conversation. I think it gets a lot closer. Um, I, I unfortunately there's still people who don't even think he's two. I told you this the other day. I was like, you were like, no, there's nobody even who thinks that. I you. I mean, those
0: people I literally don't take seriously.
1: Like I don't. It's like Paul Pierce who's like, oh, if LeBron wins this, then he'll maybe. To <laughs> crack my top 20 of like yeah. today's game. Um, yeah. I I, th- I do think three and seven is going to be ugly. Uh, as f- I, I know Twitter is an echo chamber and not part of any real parts of society, but I think that's going to be an ugly.
0: Look, it'll be ugly because, you know, I always say, oh, exclude 2011, exclude 2011. This would be another series with our favorite big and they lose. Um,
1: yeah. And there's no reason. I think they're to- like minus 320. A, yeah. They're pretty big favorites. Um, but
0: I, I, the last thing I want to say, though, is I agree. I think the people – I want to talk about Spolstra a little bit because I think his legacy and his stat, status as a coach – and Spolstra's has always been seen as a good coach. Like There's never been a question about that. I think after this finals appearance, people are now kind of talking about him as – especially since he beat Brad Stevens head-to-head. Yeah. I think him winning a title um, – outside of LeBron with this kind of a team would vault him into a the next stratosphere. Like I think it becomes pop spo and then, you know, the Carlisle, Brad Stevens or maybe, you know, Spo's not but I think he's got a lot to gain from this this series as well.
1: Yeah, I always felt like back in the the Heatles run he was disrespected um because everyone was just like, put me in fucking charge. I'll hold the yeah. clipboard and go to the finals every year. And, and I think some of that has, was also actually ironically attributed to Kerr when they saw how much he struggled this year, despite all the injuries, just ignoring mm-hmm. that. But, but anyway, so I think, I think it's like a gift and a curse to have that talented of a team, but it's also hard to win with them. Like, you know, Kobe, Shaq, um, and, and Jordan and Pippen needed Phil. Um, just as much as he needed them, and I think with Spolstra, what's nice, what's he? A lot of guys don't get a chance to do this with a different roster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pop and Duncan won all their five titles together. Kobe and Phil, Michael and Phil, um, and so the uh, staff and Kerr. Uh, so the fact that he there, he's actually able to have a real shot at this, and has shown like brilliance throughout. Like I said, he's totally changed his rotations, um, mm-hmm. which is very uncommon and and also not not to mention uncommon like coaches play so damn conservatively now that like you don't want to mess up the balance Mm -hmm. and trusting your team to play a different style on the fly is this is what we talk about when we talk about adjustments that someone like Budenholzer who can ring up 60 wins every year just can't make or doesn't choose to make
0: yeah or Um, even Doc Rivers who's known for being a player coach a championship winning coach and he's He's, He's not still playing Lou Williams thirty minutes a night. Yeah, He's playing Lou Williams. Yeah, exactly. He's not making those adjustments.
1: So I think Spo is um is definitely one of the winners if no matter what, but also of like if they win the title. The other guy that I think we 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 touched on Bam and like sort of his elevation. If you think about the guys who really went from like these are nice players to holy shit, these are these guys got next. I think two players that stood out in the bubble were Jamal Murray and Bam. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Jason Tatum was kind of already anointed. Uh, And I think obviously Jimmy Butler, like I said earlier, was pretty consistently a top 15 player in most people's lists since like, you know, mid 2000, 2010s. So Bam has a chance to really change the way we think about big men and building around big men and the kind of big men, like a lot of people have made the comparison to Draymond like earlier this year. And it seemed a little like off kilter in a way because Draymond's so unique. But nope. Bam does a lot of the same things. But in a way, he's actually more explosive offensively because he's just – he's a better shooter. <laughs> and he's bigger. He's bigger. He's more <laughs> like athletic. Tightens, like, height wise, yeah. Yeah. And like he's like a Draymond 2.0 on steroids basically. And now you have to think like, okay, yes, maybe we don't build around a guy like an Embiid who's like a traditional low-post player or like um, some of these other guys that you think about like uh, DeAndre Ayton example – Maybe you look for these versatile one through five switch type bigs. Of course, they're hard to find, but that really unlocks the defense, just like Draymond did for the Warriors. So I think those two guys and, if, you know, of course, Jimmy is is like legacies in the balance. But um, I I do think there's a lot of interesting storylines, but like the LeBron, like LeBron is he's a shadow in the league, right? Like he's going to dominate everything about this this series. And I think people are gonna. I mean, when this run
0: stops of LeBron being in the finals, people are gonna miss it. Like I see a lot of talk about or complaints on Twitter, the Twitter sphere, and like oh, it's about LeBron again, and everything's about LeBron, and like how come they're not talking about enough about the Heat? What the hell do you think they did with Jordan in the '90s? Like everything was geared towards Jordan, and you don't realize how much you miss it until it's gone. Yeah. Because there's a big vacuum left, and you know, if we watch the Nuggets and and Heat this series, like. But yeah, how much more? How much can you talk about Jamal Murray, and Jokic? Like, it's a great story, but out without the context of, um, yeah, I don't know, having a LeBron in the finals or some some larger storyline that really matters, um, it's not as fun. So I, I'm gonna enjoy it, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not rooting for the Lakers. I'm actually, I I'd like to see the Heat play well, but at the same time, I if LeBron, I want LeBron to have another ring. So, um, so what's your on that note? What's your prediction for the finals? I think it's Lakers in six. Now I, I'll tell I, you exactly how it happens. Okay. I think they actually win Game One, even though they typically give up Game One. Um, I think Spoelstra makes some adjustments. I think the big lineup kills the Miami Game One. I think the Heat, the Lakers come back, win Game 2 Or We're sorry, Heat come back, win Game Two. Lakers win Game Three. Heat win Game Four, and it's two-two. A lot of talk around. Oh no, can the Heat do this? LeBron goes in Fu mode. Closes the last two games, finals MVP.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's definitely possible. Like, that seems like a very plausible outcome. It's hard to pick against the Lakers. It's even harder to think that the Heat could win in seven. You almost have to feel like they're going to win in six yeah. if they have to win. I, yes. And it it's does. hard to beat LeBron four times out of six um, when you don't have a transcendent player on the other side. Ah, uh, the Warriors had two transcendent players. Um, the Spurs had two transcendent players, and and I think you can't even really bring in the Mavericks series because it's not really part of who LeBron is today as a player and who the Lakers yeah. are as a team. Yeah. That being said, I'm just gonna you know zig when you zag. I'm gonna go Heat, and I'm gonna okay. go Heat in six. And okay. I think okay. what's gonna happen is. Shooting, as we know, is a very streaky thing in general. When you're, when you're doing something well and it only happens 40% of the time, it's almost like hitting in baseball. If it only happens 30% of the time, like it could be very fluctuating. And in fact, it happens less than it, you know, it more often doesn't happen than it does. And I don't think that the Heat shot very well against Boston. Um, and I think you have a lot of guys who... You could say Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero or you know, even Dragic are going to be scared of this moment. But I don't see that from this Heat team. I really don't. I don't see any fear from these guys. I know Iggy's going to have them ready. Um, it's a big moment, but it's not one of the things they always talk about the finals that makes it different than any other series is the press coverage, mm-hmm. the cameras, the like media. None of that's there. It's still the bubble. It's still the exact environment they've been winning. They can't tell how many millions of people are watching. For them, them, it's the same thing. They got their family in the crowd and nobody else. They got their coaches and their teammates. And I think that environment has really favored Miami because they're able to lock in in a way that other teams weren't able to do. Um, And I think the limelight lessens when you don't actually feel it in your immediate periphery. And so I got Miami in six. Finals MVP, Jimmy Buckets. Look, I like it. Bold prediction. Um, I was going to go Duncan Robinson for finals MVP, yeah. but I, I couldn't do it. You hey, if, if
0: they win, you could do victory laps around me. Um, a lot of people do say this team gives them an 04 Pistons vibe. That's uh, a popular analogy. Very out. popular analogy in comparison. And I, I can see it. Right? A good team that doesn't have a,
1: you know, it's, okay, but the flip side is the 04 Lakers were a fucking disaster, and this Lakers team is playing like as well as it's played all season. Yeah, but I, I really like
0: the point you brought up about the bubble because it really makes a difference where you have the press coverage and now the fans, it's a little different when it's in the finals, and now it's for these guys, it literally feels the exact same. And so I didn't think about it that way, but it, I think that'll help the heat a lot yeah Uh, they're not surrounded by
1: like a million different reporters they're still doing the same same zoom interviews and whatever else yeah so uh it'll it'll be a good series man i think no matter what
0: i don't think it's gonna be the heat aren't a team that's just gonna fold that's the greatest part about them like yeah um they won't go down easy like they're they're gonna go down fighting so
1: they can't excited they can't spot uh double digit leads to the Lakers though the way they did early in that Celtics series because the Lakers are harder to score on and i think they need to make sure they're playing from the tip playing well getting good shots uh and locking in on defense and avoiding foul trouble they can't get down like 19 to 8 you know 27 15 and nope. try to keep like shooting their way back into it because it's going to be too hard like, over and over again to do so against the Lakers defense so
0: I agree, I agree. And then your point about game seven, they can't let it get to seven because LeBron won't lose that. He just won't. Like, um, So it's if you win it in six, what's the path to six look like? You have to, you're not going to go up to one You have to win one.
1: tomorrow. You, you have gotta to win game tomorrow.
0: one. You got to start off with game one and then it's a matter of just going, what, three and one the rest of the way? <laughs> it's still a tall order, but... It's a
1: tall order. Um, and I, three and two. I think... Yeah, two. three and two. I think you got to win game one. You got to like set the tone and, and you have to make sure that like you're, you're sort of prepared for whatever counter punch um, mm-hmm. that the Lakers throw you in game two if you lose that. Because when they lost game one to, to Portland and to Houston, they came back and destroyed them in game two. So, um, all right. But before we go, last thoughts Doc Rivers fired. Were you surprised? I said he should get – I think I, right
0: after that series, I said I, I think they should look at it. But I'm not going to lie. I'm very surprised because you put together a team like that. You get a coach, that doc, and by all accounts, Kawhi wanted doc. Yeah. And with these guys having an option the next season, the last thing you want to do is disrupt that because who are you going to bring in? And I know Ty Lu and there's some other guys, but that's a lot of pressure on a new coach. It has to work this year because if it doesn't, these guys are gone. Um, at least with Doc, you can talk yourself into look, we were a really good team last year. We just, had, you know, collapsed at the end. We can bring it back. So I, w- I still was surprised, even though I thought, you know what, it, it kind of was deserved given how poorly he's been coaching a lot of playoff series, like even dating back to Lob
1: City Clippers. But I don't know. I don't know who they bring in, like Ty Lue. But outside of that, da- Doc has coasted on his reputation for a little while. Um, uh, yeah, that whole.
0: Boston 2008 championship, all of them have been living off that ring for.
1: Yeah. I guess where I would land is, is sort of the, the stance you took, which is like, I think they need a different coach. I'm very surprised that they fired a celebrity coach, essentially. Yeah. From a celebrity team. That was all kind of put together with the same like sort of understanding. And, I, and frankly, I don't think they do this without Kawhi's either sign-off or request or indifference
0: because they yeah. can't
1: risk it, him walking out the door next year yeah and I if mean, they do bring in lou he was an assistant coach there's still some continuity he's won a title with superstars like there's some credibility there you know eight years after the after uh, doc did so almost in a sense like more relevant to what they're thinking about and it's it's championship or bust. Uh, just like the sweeter was, even though Paul George didn't say it, it was championship or bust. Next year is going to be even more pressure. Um, they better they better get it right, or they're in some deep trouble as a franchise with all of those picks going to Oklahoma City. I mean, they're screwed. This is it. So they
0: they have to get a, They have to go after a big name. They can't bring a, a random guy, and that pool is limited. At the end of the day, like tylu like Jeff Van Gundy, like at that point, you're digging like. I like Jeff Van Gunny as a coach, you know, in New York, in Houston. But I don't know if he's he's ready to coach this team after being on the bench for so long. Yeah. So I don't know.
1: Uh, the Jeff Van Gunny thing is that's uh, no dice for me. I, his name keeps getting floated around like every year for one to two premier jobs. Either yeah. it's just a smokescreen <laughs> or he sucks in these interviews because he's never actually given any of the offers. So I'm not sure what's going on.
0: Well, I don't know, man. I'm excited. Tomorrow's gonna be is gonna be a good game, um, and then we got game two on Friday. So I think by the weekend, you know, we're we're already gonna have some kind of semblance of what the series is gonna look like. But um, I'm I still am upset about the finals court, and this is a gripe <laughs> I've had the whole time with the bubble is that not getting the logos, the paint, the feel of like a home court. But
1: it is what yeah, it is. I actually didn't mind it. Up until the finals, because it probably is hard to change it so many times. But when you only have two teams left, and it's every other day. In fact, have they have three arenas. I think that they play games with. At. Yeah, because so why not just make theater. one the Heat and one the like Lakers, and then you actually do create some yeah. type of fake home and way environment.
0: Yeah, make one the home, and then the nicer locker room, and that one goes to the that home team, and that one, and, you know,
1: kind of recreate the vibe somewhat. Like exactly. No, like, we'll, we'll um, see though. All right, so we'll see what happens. Like you said, I think Sunday is actually game three. So by the time we record next, we could have up to three or four games played, depending on when we get back on the horn. So this was fun. I hope everyone enjoys the finals. There's so many sports going on right now. We were just talking about it right before we recorded. NFL is in full swing. NHL st- just finished. Baseball playoffs started today. Um, the debates, which I'm counting as a sport, Um <laughs> WNBA so WNBA finals uh started tonight or start soon i think um so it's all coming up in september so we and october so we will uh see what happens keep it keep an eye on some of these storylines and and um i can't wait so for all those out there please rate review subscribe to thick and thin please email us at thick and thin hoops at gmail.com and we will talk to you next week